Rick Warren wrote a book that became very famous entitled The Purpose Driven Life, first published in 2002, and the book topped the Wall Street Journal bestseller charts as well as the publisher's weekly charts for 90 days in a row, excuse me, 90 weeks in a row. And as of 2020, 50 million copies were sold around the world in 85 different languages. People found it helpful, significant, the purpose-driven life. This morning, I encourage you that of all of us should be seeking to fulfill God's purpose for our lives. To fulfill God's purpose requires a great deal of intentionality on our part. It's not just going to happen. It means we must constantly be making choices that are contributing to fulfilling God's purpose for our lives. That must be our goal, aspiration, delight, and constant ambition to fulfill God's purpose for our lives. When all is said and done and our lives are coming to the end, we want to say along with the Apostle Paul, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. So we find out that Solomon was an individual who, with great degree of intentionality, fulfilled God's purpose for his life. So we can learn a great deal from Solomon. How did Solomon go about fulfilling God's purpose for his life? That's what we want to concentrate on as we look at these first 12 verses from 1 Kings chapter 5. First, Solomon recognized that God was at work, sovereignly overseeing the circumstances of Solomon's life, enabling Solomon to fulfill God's purpose. He was aware of what God was doing. As we pick up our text, David had died, and now Hiram sent an entourage to Solomon in demonstrating respect for Solomon's inauguration as king. 1 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. Now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent his servants to Solomon when he heard that they had anointed him king in place of his father. Solomon recognized that God was doing a great work in the kingdom. Solomon recognized that David's kingdom, the situation, was not conducive to building the temple. If you look at verse 3, it says, You know that David, my father, could not build a house for the name of the Lord. And here is the reason. Because of the warfares with which his enemies surrounded him until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. Throughout the entirety of David's kingship, there was war, war, war from without and war from within. And now Solomon recognized that the time was conducive for Solomon to build a temple for God, verse 4. But now, but now, notice the contrast. There was a difference between the situation in 
David's kingship with that of Solomon's kingship. But now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side. Solomon recognized that God was at work in overseeing his, the circumstances that would enable Solomon to fulfill God's purpose for his life, maybe, namely building the temple. God had provided Solomon the perfect opportunity to build the temple for God. For it says in verse 4, But now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side. There was absolutely nothing to stand in the way of Solomon building the temple. There was nothing to stop him, nothing to prevent him, nothing to deter him. Solomon had no enemies to oppose him. Verse 4, there is no adversary. There is no adversary. David knew nothing but war. Solomon knew nothing but peace. There were no adversaries. And not only were there no adversaries, but it actually tells us in 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 34, and people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. Instead of fighting Solomon, the surrounding kings were actually coming to Solomon seeking wisdom, seeking direction. They recognized his value, his worth. Solomon had no enemies within the kingdom. No one was rising up in rebellion against him. No one was seeking to overthrow his throne. There was peace, there was tranquility. And furthermore, Solomon had no catastrophes or setbacks that placed a great demand on his time or his resources. For it tells us in the end of verse 4 that there was neither adversary, now this word, nor misfortune. Solomon didn't have to deal with plagues, floods, famines, or natural disasters of any kind. He was not struggling with ill health. Solomon was not experiencing hardship in any way. And Solomon realized that God was doing much more than just making life pleasurable or enjoyable for Solomon. He didn't just sit back and say, wow, life is good. This is great. I'm at peace. I've got everything I need, I want, there are no problems. Let's go fishing. Go on a trip. Enjoy life. Delight in all that I have to experience. We find out that the rest that Solomon was experiencing was not just about Solomon basking in the sun and having the freedom to take time off, relax, and pursue his own interests and desires. God had set the stage. God had cleared the way. God was making it possible for Solomon to build the temple. Now was the right time. Now was the right moment. And so I would say, first of all, in application and fulfilling the purpose of God for our lives, we must ask ourselves, what is God doing in the particular stage of life that I am in? We need to take stock. We need to evaluate the circumstances and situations of life that we're in. Seeing that God is providentially at work. Never lose sight of God's invisible hand. 
that God is directing the events and circumstances of our lives for a purpose to achieve ends. So we ask ourselves, what is God doing? What is God doing? Solomon had to ask the question, why am I experiencing peace when David knew nothing but war? We need to ask ourselves, why has God blessed me in this way? Whether it be financially, whether it may be advancement, what is God doing? How do the circumstances that I am experiencing better enable me to fulfill God's purpose for my life? Secondly, we find out that Solomon intentionally made a commitment to fulfill God's purpose for his life. Solomon declared that he was going to seize the opportunity to do what God had revealed as his will for Solomon. Look at verse 5. And so, and so, and so, based on the fact that he evaluated and realized that there was no time better than now in order to build the temple, he says, and so, I intend to build a house for the name of the Lord my God. That was his goal. That's what he established as a priority in his kingship. I'm going to build a house in the name of the Lord my God. And the reason that that was a priority was that wasn't just Solomon's desire. That was the will of God. Notice verse 5. So I intend to build a house for the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord said to David my father, your son, whom I will set on your throne in your place, shall build the house for my name. So he knew what the will of God was. God had declared to David, your son is going to build a house for me. So knowing what God's will is, knowing that the time was right, knowing that all the circumstances were in place, he said, I'm going to start. I'm going to build a house for the Lord. Now we look at a passage like this and say, oh, that God would make things so clear for us. Wouldn't you be able to love to hear what God's purpose and will is for your life? What decisions to make? But I would submit to you that this morning the emphasis is not about how to know God's will, but rather be sure to do God's will. When the time comes, if we are really seeking to fulfill God's purpose for our life, he will make it known. We will understand. And the issue for today is when he does make it known to us, when it becomes clear to us what God would have us to do to make sure that we seize the opportunities that God grants us to actually fulfill that purpose and not to get sidetracked, not to use these opportunities not to squander them on our own interests and desires, but actually seek to accomplish the will of God. So the stress of today is don't fail to do what you know that God would have you to do. Don't fail to do what you know that God would have you to do. So Solomon, with this intention, takes the necessary steps to fulfill God's purpose for Solomon's life, namely to build a temple. There were steps that had to be done. There were plans that had to be made. First, Solomon made arrangements to supply the materials that were needed for the temple construction, verse 6. 
Now therefore command that cedars of Lebanon be cut from me, and my servants will join your servants, and I will pay for your servants such wages as you set. Okay? Secondly, Solomon made arrangements to supply the manpower that was necessary for the temple to be built. And I will pay for your servants such wages as you set. Solomon made arrangements to supply the expertise that was necessary for the temple to be built. The end of verse 6. For you know that there is no one among us who knows how to cut timber like the Sidonians. So he assessed the situation, saw what the needs were, and made plans to fulfill those needs. Application. To fulfill God's purpose for our lives, there needs to be a lot of good planning, a lot of assessment, a lot of evaluation. We need to ask ourselves, what are the steps that I must take in order to fulfill God's purpose for my life? There might be issues about education. What do I need to study? What do I need to consider? Questions about expenditures. What am I going to spend my money upon? Questions about our time and our commitments. What is it that I'm going to say yes to? What is it I'm going to say no to in order to fulfill God's purpose for my life? Who will I marry? Is that going to advance God's purpose or hinder God's purpose in my life? Where shall I live? We must ask ourselves constantly, constantly in making decisions, how is this going to further my ability to fulfill God's will, or how is it going to hinder my ability to fulfill God's will? Many years ago, when I was a student at Kutztown University, then Kutztown State College, I decided that I was going to transfer to Lancaster Bible College to better equip myself to do what God had ultimately called me to do, and that was to pastor. But in order to accomplish that, Lancaster cost a great deal more than Kutztown State did, I took a year off in order to work, in order to save money. And uh, Lord blessed, and I was able to put aside a, a good amount of money to help further my education. Well, one day, my dad and I were traveling, and we were out in the country. We were almost in the middle of nowhere, and we came across this little Ford dealership. And this dealership was going out of business. They were closing. And they only had one car left. And they had that car in the showroom, and it was a Mustang. It was a really pretty car. It was brand new, but it was a leftover. And it wasn't just a one-year leftover, it was a two-year leftover. You can see why they went out of business, all right? So here's a car that's never been titled, brand new, sitting in their showroom with an incredible discount. Because this was the last car they had, they were bolting the doors, and I looked at my dad and I said, wow, because I had enough money to buy it. And I, I looked at him and I said, what do you think, Dad? And he just had a simple reply. He said, I think you've got to think about your priorities. And he was absolutely right. 
I wasn't saving my money to buy a Mustang. I was saving my money to go to school. If I bought the Mustang, that would have set me back. We're constantly having to evaluate the opportunities that are before us. What is going to advance the kingdom and what is going to hinder the kingdom's work? Well, Solomon's plan met with good success as God accomplished his will through Solomon. Hiram immediately delighted in the plan, verse 7. As soon as Hiram heard the words of Solomon, he rejoiced greatly. Hiram was on board. Hiram recognized that this was of the Lord. End of verse 7. Blessed be the Lord this day, who has given to David a wise son to be over this great people. Solomon's wisdom was manifested in a number of different ways. And one of the ways in which Solomon's wisdom was manifested is his response to Hiram. Hiram. Remember in verse 1, Hiram sent a delegation to Solomon in celebration of the fact that uh, Solomon was anointed as the new king over Israel. It is very similar to a situation that we find in 2 Samuel, we looked at this many, 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 many weeks ago, where Hanan responded to David very foolishly. It's a very similar circumstance. Listen to it. After this, the king of the Ammonites died, and Hanan, his son, reigned in his place. And David said, I will deal loyally with Hanan, the son of Nahash, as his father dealt loyally with me. So David sent by his servants to console him concerning his father, and David's servants came into the land of the Ammonites. So, same situation. Person dies, David says, sends an entourage to express his condolences and his support. But the princes of the Ammonites said to Hanan, that Lord, do you think because David has sent comforters to you that he is honoring your father? Has not David sent his servants to you to search the city and to spy out and to destroy it? So Hanan took David's servants and shaved off the beard of each and cut off their garments in the middle at their hips and sent them away. That was a foolish response. It was a foolish response. Solomon had the right response. Solomon acted wisely. He saw Hiram's act of support as a true, genuine act, which it was. Solomon had the wisdom to see that this vital role that Hiram had played in David's kingship could be a vital player in his own kingship. Solomon built on the strength of that relationship that had already been established and strengthened it even more. Solomon also had the wisdom to make a proper evaluation of the situation that he was in and ways in which to provide a step forward. Solomon was in need of a man with expertise. Solomon was in need of a man with expertise. If you look at verse 6, at the very end it says, For you know that there is no one among us who knows how to cut timber like the Sidonians. No one among us that is able to 
cut timber like the Sidonians. When I contemplated that thought, I immediately reflected upon God's provision in building the tabernacle. When the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness, they were, they were building a tabernacle for God. And God provided Moses with a gifted individual to oversee that work. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. You don't need to turn there. I'll read it. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability, intelligence, with knowledge, and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood to work in every craft. And behold, I have appointed with him Oliab, the son of Ahashemach of the tribe of Dan, and I have given to all able men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you. Solomon, uh, Moses, I have equipped people to do this work. But Solomon looks around and says, I have no one to do this work. I need help. And he realizes that Hiram, though not an Israelite, is the one that God has raised up to do this work. God was at work, but he was at work in a very different way than the way in which he had worked previously. The building of the temple is nothing like the building of the tabernacle. It's going to be quite, quite different. The lesson is that we must not miss out on what God is doing. Especially when God is at work and doing things that might seem quite contrary to the way in which we'd expect him to work or the way that he's worked in the past. It's easy to put God into a box and to think that there are certain things that have to take place and Many times people are very apt to try to direct God in their prayers in order to accomplish God's purpose. Lord, do this, do this, do this, do this. As though that's the only way that it can be done. Rather, we need to sit back and analyze the circumstances, the situation which we are in, and, and question and say, what is God doing? What is God doing? And it starts with a remembrance that God is at work. It starts with a theological premise that God is sovereign. And so I can trust God that he is at work even in circumstances that seem to be contrary to the way we'd expect him to work and the wisdom to realize God's provision in the midst. Psalm did not have a Bezalel, but that wasn't a negative. Solomon had a Hiram. Siram had access to men power beyond that of the nation of Israel. I think there, there are great lessons to be learned, and, and we don't just have to go way back in history to see a sovereign God at work in ways in which we might antis not anticipate. For example, 
During the time of the COVID restrictions, it could have appeared as a very bad time to start a building program. You can easily see how you could go down that road. You can easily see how questions would begin to crop up as to, is that really a good thing to be entering into a building program in the time of COVID and in the midst of the restrictions that we were under? Well, hindsight is 2020. And we decided, yes, that is what God would have us to do. And in the providence and goodness of God, we saw God at work. In reality, it was the exact right time. It couldn't have been a better time. As far as the program is concerned, that would have been very disruptive. We couldn't have had Fellowship Sundays and all these other things. Our program was already disrupted. When it came time for our program to come back into place, we had the, the building up and we're ready to do it. We could have such wonderful activities as the Ladies' Spring Banquet. But further than that, as a result of COVID, the interest rates were lower than what we initially anticipated. And much lower than what they'd be today. During the time of COVID, inflation was tame. Now inflation is rampant. The bottom line, if we would have waited till now, we couldn't have done it, humanly speaking. It would have been unaffordable. And many of the materials that were needed aren't even available at the present time. The point is, God works. God works. And the question is to always ask, what is it that God wants us to do? And when we know the answer to that, then our responsibility is to do it. To do it. And to see God sovereignly at work, even in things that initially we don't understand. God was at work. So Hiram agrees to the plan, verse 8. Hiram sent to Solomon saying, I have a message that you have sent to me. I'm ready to do all you uh, to do all that you desire, I think, in matter of cedar and cypress timber. Next, Hiram proposes a more detailed arrangement. Verse 9, my servant shall bring it down to the sea from Lebanon, and I will make it into rafts to go by the sea to place you uh, direct, and I will have them broken up there, and you shall receive it, and you shall meet my wishes by providing food for my household. The plan is agreed upon. Verses 10 and 11, so Hiram supplied Solomon with all the timber of cedar and cypress that he desired, while Solomon gave Hiram 20,000 cores of wheat as food for his household, 20,000 cores of beaten oil. Solomon gave this to Hiram year by year. Both are happy. Done deal. Application. But it's God who gives the success. It's God who gives the success. 
Why did all of that come to pass? Because God wanted Solomon to build a temple. And because God wanted Solomon to build a temple, all the steps for the temple to be built were coming to fruition. God was leading, God was providing, God was enabling, God was doing. So the great takeaway is that God enabled Solomon to fill God's purpose for his life. God is faithful. Notice the summation, verse 12. And the Lord gave Solomon wisdom as he promised him. All of these sections that we've been in lately have been examples of Solomon's wisdom expressed in different ways. There was the wisdom that was necessary in making the decision as to who was the mother of the living child when the two mothers came and presented the child to Solomon, declaring that he was the child. We saw Solomon's display, wisdom displayed uh, last week in numerous ways, in areas of literature and areas of science and areas of commerce, everything God had granted wisdom. Once again, now we see that God gave wisdom to Solomon in ascertaining the times, making plans, moving forward. God was at work. Next, we see the outcome of providence. We see the outcome of providence, verse 12. The Lord gave Solomon wisdom as he promised him. Next statement, and there was peace between Hiram and Solomon. This passage started off with a recognition that Solomon's kingship was in a time of peace, tranquility. He had no adversaries. Here is a continuation of that thought. Here is the continued blessing and manifestation. That God not only gave Solomon an opportunity in the beginning to build in peace, but all through the process. Still no adversary. Still no insurrection. Still no misfortune. For God was at work. God was at work. God was at work. And the end of verse 12, and the two of them made a treaty. The point being that the ground had been laid. They're ready to start. Temple construction can begin. God's purpose will be fulfilled. But what we want to emphasize this morning is Solomon intentionally, intentionally fulfilled God's purpose for his life, which was to build the temple. And he trusted God in doing so. And in that trust, he indeed fulfilled God's purpose. So in conclusion, I'd say that God has a purpose for each and every one of our lives. We need to resolve, make a commitment to fulfill God's purpose for our lives. 
I believe that every one of us has to make that conscious choice to dedicate your life to do whatever it is that God would have you to do. It starts there. It starts there. As I say, this morning is not about how to know what God would have you to do, but let me just say, look at your gifts, look at your interests, look at your desires, pray, purpose, but don't decide what you're going to do in life simply because of how much money you're going to make. Don't decide to do what you're going to do in your life because of the prestige or because of how easy it is or whatever the case may be. Ask yourself, what is it that God wants me to do with my life? And having answered that question, then to take steps to accomplish it, to fulfill it. Recognize that God is at work in the circumstances of your life, both past and present, that will affect your future. Don't take God out of the picture. When things are going well and when things seemingly are not going well, don't forget a sovereign God who is bringing these things to pass. He has a purpose. And it's easy not to see it in the beginning. But hindsight is twenty-twenty, And you can look back and you can say, wow, <laughs> who would have thought? Who would have thought? Our God knows. Our God provides. Our God leads. Understand the blessings that he bestows, such as peace, wisdom, wealth, are not merely for our own enjoyment, but see them as greater opportunities for service for God. Reflect, sit back, marvel how God has led and provided, used and fulfilled his purpose in your life. Take time to reflect. And in that reflection, may it lead you to a place of thankfulness, of adoration, and worship of the knowledge, the wisdom, the provision, the guidance, the providence of a sovereign God. We will say, what a joy it is to serve him. And we will delight in having done his will. It will bring us pleasure. We will look back and say, our lives have not been wasted. They have not been in vain. My life verse that I adopted before I came into the ministry in view of being in the ministry, was 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You don't waste your lives in fulfilling God's purpose. Let's pray.
Almighty God, we, we thank you that you are a God who can be trusted. We thank you that you are a God who leads, who directs, who provides many ways in circumstances that, that we don't even understand, that, that we can't even see. But yet, Lord, when we look back, when we look back, we give you thanks. We give you praise. Lord, we thank you for your leading and direction even in the life of our own church. We thank you for your provision. We, we thank you for this beautiful facility that we have and the way that you led and the way you provided. Lord, we pray that we would learn that we can trust you for the future. Help us to examine the circumstances. Help us to reflect. Help us to believe that you are at work achieving your will, your purpose in our lives. And Lord, keep ever before us the realization that the daily decisions that we are making are either going to hinder or further our ability to accomplish your purpose and your will for us, our lives. So keep us on course. and Open our eyes. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.